Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Conchock Vineyard Church Online. We've got an exciting few weeks coming up. Not only is the school year starting up again this Monday, but I get a quiet house again during the day. I'm sure many parents are also just as excited. Uh, this, this upcoming week, coming soon, or two weeks from now, September 11th, uh, on that day we have our anniversary service, which I'm really excited about. We celebrate eight years. We have Alpha starting up for those who are seeking more about in their relationship with God. we got small groups starting up that same week as well. And then on September 17th, we got the Conchahawken Fun Fest where we go out into the community and greet hundreds of folks from the area and share God's love with them. For our online service today, what I'd like to do is share a message from our current sermon series called Big Ideas from Tiny Letters. And the tiny letter we're going to read today is a book toward the end of the New Testament called Philemon. It's only 25 verses long, and at first glance, it might not seem like it's saying much, but it's actually packed, uh, packed full, full of life-changing lessons that I think we can all benefit from. So today's message is titled, Four Fantastic Ideas from Philemon. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Lord, uh, I pray that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts and minds, to understand your word and to hear what you have to say. Thank you for this time that we get together, even though it's online. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's take a look at these verses. Let's jump right in. I'm going to read them, and you can follow along here on the screen. So verses 1 to 3, Paul starts off saying, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you might notice that most of these ancient letters, uh, if you're familiar with the New Testament, they had a common format for the introduction. So the senders would come first. It was Paul and Timothy here. Uh, and they're listed first. And the Apostle Paul is the, the primary writer. He's writing from prison um, as, as the author, as the primary author. And then Philemon is listed second on the second line there, and he's the intended recipient. So Paul starts off with a standard greeting, which I love, which you've probably heard before, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what you get when you hear from Jesus, even if it's a correction, if God is correcting you, or even if it's a call to change uh, or to repent, you get grace and peace. Grace and peace are two key characteristics of the way that God works in our lives. And so if you're feeling condemnation and anxiety about anything, maybe it's about something regarding school, something happening in your life recently, remember that God is not the source of condemnation, shame, and anxiety. Remember that next time those feelings come up, because all of us, at one point or another, uh, experience that's a pretty common experience for many people, at least that I know as we pastor. Those are really common feelings. So grace, I just want to start off with that same greeting, grace and peace to you today, my friends. All right, let's take a look at verses uh, 4 to 7. Paul writes, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So Philemon, he's a beloved brother in the faith to Paul, and he's been a partner in ministry for quite some time. And that word partnership is actually important because what it implies is that Philemon 
has not only been providing Paul with relational refreshment, but he's been a financial supporter of his continued ministry work as well. And I'll tell you, it's really a joy to partner with folks in the kingdom of God for the gospel. Um, starting again this September, one of the things I wanted to let folks know is that Conchock and Vineyard Church, the CVC, is going to restart highlighting monthly partnerships with various, various ministry organizations and individuals uh, that we love, love to support. And just as each of us are called to set aside 10% of our income to God, that first 10%, which is called a tithe, CVC sets, sets aside at least 10% as well of our income to partner with other organizations and individuals, couples, or families that are involved in ministry all across the globe. And it's an exciting way that we can be part of what God's doing in other places outside of our local context. Even just this past Wednesday night, we welcomed a couple of retired vineyard pastors. Their names are Duke and Marie Lancaster to our worship and prayer night. And Duke and Marie, they pastored a vineyard church in Mississippi for, for quite some time, and they handed off the church because they felt God was calling them to a new thing. And now they're living by faith uh, doing itinerant ministry. They, they bought an RV, and they're traveling across the country and sometimes even overseas, not in the RV. They go by airplane. I've been on trips with them. Uh, but they're trusting God basically to provide for all their needs, uh, day by day, week by week, month by month, and they're seeing God provide for them in incredible ways. And at the worship and prayer night, for those of you who are there, uh, not, you'd realize not only did we experience God's presence, but we were re- all really encouraged by the prophetic encouragement they shared with us. So I'm still really feeling super encouraged and thankful for that time and full of joy and uh, more faith for what God is doing in our, in our community and wants to do. And I was happy on behalf of the church to give them some financial support uh, so that they can continue doing what God's called them to do. Uh, and that's what financial partnership is all about. And it's as old as the Bible. Uh, as Paul is receiving this partnership from Philemon. And, you know, I understand this. You know, being involved in ministry myself, it builds this, this kind of humility in a way that you need to rely on God and the generosity of God's people. But it's, it's, it's harder in some ways, but you get to see God at work and you get the joy of seeing God's people be generous in the partnership in the kingdom. But for Paul, it was even more important for him because he was in jail. So he, had, he really had no choice. He didn't really have an option to get any other work at this time like he had done in the past. So he depended on the partnership of others, uh, particularly financially, relationally, in all those ways, even more so when he's in need. So Philemon, this is a, what's known as a prison letter. So he's writing this from, from prison. So incidentally, if you feel the tug to financially support Christians all across the world who are imprisoned or persecuted for their faith, I want to recommend to you, as I've recommended before, an organization called Voice of the Martyrs started by a Romanian priest named Richard Wormbrand. You may have heard of him, uh, but I encourage you to read his book, Tortured for Christ. Learn more about his incredible story. I mean, it's, it was really formational for me as a young believer, and I believe it will be for you, for you too as well. Uh, there's a website you, could, you can go look up and pray for uh, current day events, current current believers and pastors and leaders all across the world, missionaries who are being persecuted for their faith. I receive emails daily, and I'd recommend that you can, uh, if that's something God's put in your heart, to, to join me in praying for those folks. But more, more Christians today, believe it or not, are persecuted for their faith than in any time in history. So uh, you can do that by, uh, by praying uh, with us. And, uh, and also, if you feel like you, you want to give, this is going to be one of uh, CVC's monthly giving targets this next year. So I'm excited about that. But it's pretty relevant because that's exactly what's happening, uh, not only in the world today, but what Paul's talking about here in his, um, in his letter to Philemon. All right, so let's take a look at verses 8 to 10. Therefore, although in Christ, 
I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Okay, so here's the reason Paul's writing. He's writing on, a, on behalf of a man nam- named Onesimus, who Paul led into a relationship with Jesus while he was in prison. And Paul states that he could order Philemon to do what he's going to request, and he's going to write about that, based on the spiritual authority he has in Philemon's life um, as a spiritual elder and a spiritual father and someone who loves him and who's, who's had a really deep, um, incredible relationship. But rather, he appeals to him on the basis of love. Uh, you can see later, he, 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 uh, he writes this in verse 14. I want to read that verse for you. It says, But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you would do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Um, and so that uh, really says a lot. It says a lot about the nature of the kingdom of God, and really, lesson one about the kingdom here, one of the th- things we can see is the na- nature of the kingdom of God, it doesn't work forcibly by coercion, like a lot of uh, we see happening in a lot of the world today, whether it's in business or um, in relationships between, between people. But the nature of the kingdom is that it works by loving appeal and persuasion. Jesus himself, who is the king of the kingdom of God, he could force us to obey him, but he doesn't. He doesn't do that. See, the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. So we have the freedom to choose whether we obey Jesus or we don't. We have the freedom to forgive or not to forgive. We have the freedom to be generous or not be generous. The kingdom of God works by invitation. And that's been really, for me, one of the guiding principles of how I pastor and how I lead and how I parent my children, especially as they get older. As they get older, I work through appeal and invitation in a way, the same way that Paul Um, worked with his spiritual children as well. So it's best to appeal to others on the basis of loving invitation. And that's something I hope to, uh, that will characterize the way that I lead and that many of us will as well, those of you who are called to lead or to parent, uh, particularly uh, children as they grow into those older years, which is an adjustment you have to make along the way. You know, and something to keep in mind as well, if you face a situation where you hope someone that you know, that you love will make a certain decision. It's just to remember the nature of the kingdom, uh, not being to force something, but really that loving invitation. All right, verses uh, 11 to 13. Let's take a look and read those. He, he writes, Formerly, he was useless to you. He's referring to Philemon there, or to, uh, Onesimus, speaking to Philemon. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. So Anesimus, he was apparently useless to Philemon at one point. Uh, To say the least, he was unhelpful at at some point in his relationship. And now Paul is saying that things have changed uh, since Philemon last knew him. And since that time, Onesimus whose name actually means useful. That's what the, the Greek name means there. He's been helpful in, in helping Paul while he was in prison. Paul says that Onesimus was my very heart. It's kind of like something a parent might say about their own daughter, or something Teresa Moyer might say about anyone, since she's such a loving person. They, ha- they are my heart. They have my heart. Uh, but despite that strong bond that, that, uh, that he has there, Paul is sending him back. 
And let me tell you, one of the hardest things in ministry for me, and I would I'd say for Jess as well, together uh, as a pastoral uh, couple, as, as folks who have been leading in church planting, it's saying goodbye to people you love. That is so hard. And really, the good part about it on both sides is that in most cases, we can rest with confidence knowing that God is orchestrating the move. I was just talking to JP about that before we were recording. But we know that God's in it, and he's the one moving. And if God's the one doing it, hey, we can't complain. We can't argue against, against what God is doing. But I'd like to let everyone know who's been part of our church um, that this next Sunday, September 4th, what we're going to do is we're going to send off the Han family. Uh, who were instrumental in helping us plant this church. And um, they'll be, I think, in p- pieces of their family, will be back, I think, a couple weeks after. But um, as a whole family, this will be their last week. And they're going to be moving down south uh, to North Carolina. And man, I am going to miss them so much. I know some, many of you uh, who know them will miss them. I mean, it's going to leave a big hole in our hearts. And just like Paul said, uh, I would have liked to keep them with us. <laughs> but you know, who can argue with what God is doing? And it's a blessing to send people, people off as well. And I'll share more about next Sunday uh, about that. But Hans, I just want to say, if, if you're listening right now, we love you so much. And um, really, I can relate. And maybe we can relate to how Paul is feeling as we live this out in our own ministry life as well. All right, let's take a look at verses 15 and 16 here. Uh, Paul writes this, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me and even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, um, you know, what we see here, Paul uh, is bringing a little bit more clarity as we read it to the situation here um, regarding the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was Philemon's slave, and apparently he had run away. Uh, And just so you're aware, slavery, uh, you're probably aware of this, but slavery was very common in in that time in the ancient Roman Empire. So really, everyone had slaves. It was culturally normative. And society didn't change instantly, even though the followers of Jesus treated their slaves uh, much differently. However, from a cultural and legal standpoint, Philemon, really, he had the right at that time to punish Onesimus and even kill him if he wanted to without consequence. That's how slaves were treated at that time, as they were throughout history. So what Paul is suggesting here, it's really, it's absolutely absurd. In the light of the social, legal, and cultural norms of the day, it's absurd uh, that Paul is suggesting something uh, as welcoming Onesimus back. You know, why wouldn't just all his slaves then just leave and be free to, uh, to go without consequence? He'd kind of be the laughing stock of his community, his whole business structure and societal structure. It would all break down. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, that he had come, died to set us free from our sin, uh, from our sin is, is our inspiration for social justice and changes to oppressive societal structures like slavery. And we've seen that all throughout history. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus himself and what he's done for us that sets the tone and brings real spiritual power in order for us to enact change not only in the lives of individuals but in society as a whole. See, the gospel is good news not only for individuals but for societies. And societies that embrace the gospel see transformation like we've seen throughout history. Now, Paul is suggesting that Philemon... Uh, really free Onesimus, uh, even after running away, and welcome him as a beloved brother. 
And he's, he's basically telling Philemon, listen, Onesimus, he's a changed man, and he isn't what he used to be. He's a member of our family, and he should be treated and honored in that way. He's, in fact, Paul's saying he's a reflection of myself. And so key lesson number two from Philemon is that in the kingdom of God, people actually change. People become new people. And Paul believed that. And it's why he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, which you may be familiar with, he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You know, we started this church eight years ago as we come up on our um, eighth anniversary. We started this church with this crazy idea. And the idea is that Jesus is still in the business of transforming and changing people's lives. And we were audacious enough to believe that this little group of Jesus followers could band together and bring the life of the kingdom of God described in Psalm 23, where the good shepherd restores people's souls to the people living along Route 23. And this is the vision that gets me up in the morning. It's what I think and pray about at work during the day. It's what sits with me when I go to sleep at night. See, the gospel has power to restore people. Jesus is still working in powerful ways to transform people's lives. And uh, to take people who are once separated from God and to see them come into God's family is the most exciting thing that I can think of. It's the most exciting thing that, uh, to me, is worth giving my life to and sacrificing, making all the sacrifices that our family has made over the last uh, decade or so. You know, and it's in this vision um, and the stories of restoration that I see many of you living out. It's what keeps me going. And it's what kept Paul going as well. It's, it's the driving force behind why he's writing this to Philemon. All right, let's take a look at verses uh, 17 to 19. He continues to write this. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. And referring to uh, the influence that uh, Philemon was the spiritual son of Paul as well. So Paul appeals to Philemon on the basis of his relationship. If you would welcome me, please welcome him. Onesimus likely stole from him, as we you see here. In, and uh, you know what Paul's saying is, hey, I'm willing to pay whatever price is necessary to make things right, to make things right between you and to bring full restoration, bring things full surf, uh, circle again. So fantastic idea from Philemon number three is this, that restored relationships matter to God, and they're worth paying the price to preserve. You know, recently I was made aware of a situation where someone attending our church that we had been caring for, that we loved, that, that this person had been stealing and lying to us uh, about, about uh, uh, several things. And it was deeply disappointing, um, especially to some of us who had been involved in this person's life. I felt betrayed. I felt hurt. And, you know, I'm really hoping and praying that this person will change because I care about them. Despite what they've done, despite the way that they've treated us repeatedly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there will be real transformation. And these kind of relational breaks, man, they are some of the toughest situations to deal with. I mean, relationship conflicts, they can be, they can just be the worst. I mean, relationships, they can be the best, but they can also be the worst. And we all deal with that. And so really our next sermon series, I want to give you a heads up. Starting in September, what we're going to do is focus on how we can restore our relationships to the way God intended. So that's a fall sermon series. I'm excited uh, that uh, many of us uh, can grow in this way. I think it's an area of need, and I'm excited to see how God will bring healing and teach us uh, some more wisdom through his word 
in that regard and putting into practice what Jesus says to us. All right, let's continue on. We're getting close to the end of the letter here. Verses 20 uh, and uh, 21. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And so as Paul saw Philemon respond to a diff- difficult situation and respond in obedience, uh, as the Lord spoke to him, Paul would be refreshed. I mean, that's when I see someone hear what God says to them and put it into practice, there's almost nothing that brings me more joy, particularly as I see uh, reflected in the life of the church, uh, in our church. That's, that's why uh, we, we do what we do, to see God at work, to see people hear God and respond and change and, and see the impact that it has on people's lives. And as Paul's writing it, it sounds a lot like we talked about last week uh, when the elder uh, John wrote in Third John, I have no greater joy than uh, that, that my children may walk in the truth. And, you know, last Sunday after we looked at what we said about uh, God's word says about hospitality, um, it was one of those Sundays where, you know, sometimes I like to engage with people and say, hey, you know, how are you uh, responding to the sermon, what God's saying to you? But no one said a word to me, and that's fine. But what I did see, with the thing that brought me joy, is that everyone was enjoying one another's company, and welcoming new guests, and I just loved it. It just brought me so much joy to see people practicing hospitality, loving one another, and that's kind of how John felt, how Paul, Paul feels as Philemon is re- uh, responsive to God's word in his life. Verse 22. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer uh, to your prayers. And this statement's here, it's just, I, I see it as an act of faith. It's, it's an act of faith for both Paul and Philemon. Remember, he's in jail. Uh, and they're both believing that God will act in response to Philemon's prayers that Paul would be soon uh, set free from jail. And so action and prayer go together. And for example, we're going out in the streets on September 17th to the Fun Fest, and we're going to demonstrate God's love in some practical ways, but we're going to pray too. And uh, that week, either Wednesday or Thursday, I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to come out and just pray through the streets with me, please let me know. Just send me an email at richardconchockandvineyard.com. And we want to put together both the prayer and those steps of faith, because action and prayer really go together. All right, let's finish up uh, the last few verses here. Verses 23 and 24. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. You know, you might think, well, why does this part of the letter matter? Does it really matter? Well, Paul, he's mentioning, he's not, it's just to us, it seems like he's mentioning some random names. But they're really not random names. They weren't random to Paul. These people put their lives on the line for the gospel with Paul. And really those who I've forged the strongest relationships are people I've sacrificed with and have worked with for the sake of the good news of Jesus. The relationships, those who who work together and strive and suffer together have the strongest bonds. Those are the the folks, and even research shows that. My friend uh, Dr. Jim Egley has done research in this as well, and it shows that small groups, those that engage in missional activity together, those groups are actually relationally stronger than those who don't. But big idea number three is this, is that in here, in these seemingly insignificant lists in Paul's letters, they remind us that people matter to God. People 
matter more than things. People matter more than quote-unquote ministry. You see, people are worth making sacrifices for, just as Jesus sacrificed for us. People, despite all their mess, despite all their sin, despite the way that they hurt us repeatedly, are God's ministry. And because people are loved by God, we can love them too. And because he changes people. And so really the fourth and final big idea, which I think just summarize, summarizes this, I've said this before, but I think it wraps everything up and we see in the heart of Paul and really one of the themes of his letter is this, is that God is in the people restoration business and we are too. God is in the people restoration business and we are too. And so we've got an exciting work ahead of us this fall, folks. So let's partner together. Let's use our gifts and let's watch what God does. Let me just close with this benediction that's at the end of the letter. It's verse 25, but it says this, and let, let it be uh, uh, my prayer, uh, pastoral prayer and benediction to you, is that the grace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.